You're listening to the Full-Time Function Musician Podcast, Episode 3. You're listening to the Full-Time Function Musician Podcast, the number one resource for growing your function musician business. If you're a solo wedding singer, part of a 12-piece luxury show band, or anything in between, and want to learn from other successful musicians, you're in the right place. Hello and welcome to the Full-Time Function Musician Podcast. I am your host, Jack Twiner, and here we are at episode three. I feel like I'm starting to get into the swing of things here a bit, um, and there's loads of good stuff to take from this conversation. We talk about how important the relationship between pubs and musicians is, and how important content is for marketing in whatever form that might be. And I guess trying to think outside the box with that content as well. Um, there's a bit of a quality issue on the audio side of things at the start, but hopefully you can get past that and it sorts itself out after about five minutes. As I said last week, I'm kind of learning on the job here, so just bear with me a bit. Um, anyways, I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the Full-Time Function Musician podcast. On today's show, we have Graham Nash, dynamic force behind the renowned function band Daft. For close to three decades, Graham has not only been Daft's lead singer, but also the astute manager steering the ship through the bustling music scene of the Southeast. With an impressive portfolio of over 1,500 gigs and flawlessly executed events, Graham brings a wealth of experience to the podcast. Graham, welcome to the podcast, mate. Thank you very much. Whereabouts are you... uh speaking from today where, whereabouts in the country are you uh, i'm in the very luxurious uh, bottom end of my garden where i've got a uh, should we call it a garden office it's more of a glorified shed but it, uh, that's exactly the same as what i'm in right now it looks quite nice in the video but it's it's, it's literally a shed yeah. yeah yeah i'm in my office in in the burnham slough area uh, down in my garden and uh, loving the lead up to Christmas, so uh, no complaints this end. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I think you're going to have some great knowledge to share with us today. Um, and just to kick things off, I'd like to go back in history a bit, learn about where you got started, and then um, and then move on into what you're up to now. So, yeah, do you want to kick things off with um, a bit of history about yourself? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I think music's always been a part of, of, of my life. I think in a nutshell, it was the early, I mean, I'm in my mid forties now and in the early part of my life, I was very much a typical worker. I had some good, I had some really good jobs actually. I you know, worked for some big software firms and, uh, you know, sort of blue collar type jobs that, you know, kept me busy throughout the, uh, the early part of my life, but music was always alongside it. Um, and the band was, uh, uh, a musical interest that kicked off at school. Uh, in lots of ways, actually, from getting detentions, from tapping on the desk, you know, because I was a keen drummer, um, to getting together with friends and playing a few bits and bobs. And we're talking the early 90s here, so there was a great music scene around that time. Um, the 70s had been great. I wasn't quite there for them. The 80s, probably a bit young for most of those, but the 90s, you know, the early 90s, that's where music really did have a strong foothold as it always has had but it was a real developing scene at that point with, with new eras and new sounds and you know you're, you're a, a oasis-esque type guitar bands all over the place and that was quite an easy well certainly an easy thing to like and love and then quite an easy thing to, to sort of get on board with you know both as a fan and as a, as a young musician so it was a, a you know sort of day job and doing what 
you should do as a kid and as a young person, but also keeping music ever present um, in parallel with pretty much anything else I ever did. You know, car journeys were, I, I upgraded my car stereos, I had boom boxes and subs all over the place. It'd always be loud, it would always be proud, and you know, you drive through the local towns blaring out everything from Oasis to Guns N' Roses, you know, Metallica and Pearl Jam and Nirvana and all the big bands at the time. And you just couldn't help get on board with it and get more excited by it. And then somewhere in all of that, we put a little band together um, and we called it Daft. And uh, it was an original band. And we had, we've still got them actually, there's two or three recorded tracks that were of the era. They sound quite of the era, you know, quite guitar driven and a bit. Stone Roses is in a way. Um, and after a, f a few formation changes quite quickly, um, I became the band singer. I wasn't quite as good a songwriter as the people that we'd previously been with, so we became a cover band. Um, so from dabbling around with a few instruments in the early 90s to standing in the studio by the mid-90s to deciding to be a cover band by the mid to late 90s, I find myself here in 2023 going, I'm not quite sure how all this happened, but it did. And it's been absolutely flipping fantastic. It's been absolutely amazing. And around about 2012, I went full time with it and I put my faith and hope into Daft and the band and the live music world. And I've been doing it full time for just over 10 years now, which I've absolutely loved. It's quite impressive to have, uh, to, um, I've had a band running that long. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a long time. I mean, I saw recently that the Rolling Stones were uh, announcing their 2024 tour. And I, I just thought, this is going to be daft, isn't it? I'm going to be like 79, 80 years old, calling up the one... Excuse the pun. Yeah. <laughs> calling up the local pub that's still open. Uh, and go, can I go get a gig down there, please? Um, but I, yeah, it just seems to be going on and on and on. And the band is fantastic because it's all formed of friends. We all go back 20, more than 20 years in some cases. Um, and then. So, yeah, I know you said um, there was a bit of a lineup change at the start, mm. um, but has it been a pretty con constant lineup since then? Yeah, I mean, from day I mean, if you really go all the way back to day one, then you will see f various lineup changes. And if you consider 2012 onwards as being kind of like the full professional era of the band, um, maybe there's been two or three. But what what ten all that really tends to happen is that the, the guys who have been part of the band, you know, we, we it's typical for them to sort of reach a point where it doesn't make much sense to carry on in the way that they are. So we gig a lot. We we, we, we gig a lot. You know, it's it's a weekly thing, um, often more than once a week, and that's really hard for people. You know, for band members, that's really that's really a tall order. But you, you, you're forever balancing up this 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 sort of matter of what what does our market want you know what does the customer want are the customers there and if the customer is standing there saying please can you come and play for us on a certain date uh really you want to be saying yeah that, that's kind of the point of doing all of this you know that's what you want to do but then you get to the point where you reach that sort of critical mass you reach that critical breaking point of 
I can't push any harder, you know, on the band and on its members um, to do yet more, more, more. Um, so it just gets to the point sometimes where a particular band member may reach that critical mass and they want to take a bit more of a backseat, in which case they become more of a debt and they become, uh, you know, they remain an amazing friend of the band, but who can easily step in and step up and be part of Daft at any given notice um, should something arise with one of our existing members or one of our primary members, uh, which is, again, great from a customer point of view. That's really the, the purpose behind that because, you know, that old proverbial hit by a bus or somebody burned, the guitarist burns their hand tomorrow afternoon, we, we, we will need help. Um, so it's it's really nice that ex-band members of Daft who, who've stopped doing it full-time um, have have all pretty much uh, remained close friends and able to perform with us at other times of the year, you know, and, and, and various checkpoints. Uh, so yes, the lineup rarely changes, but it has had a member change here and there over the last 10 years, probably two or three times. So I'm sure gigs have changed and the way you've run the band has changed over the, over the last, well, since 2012, but going back to then, if that's when the sort of the start was, hmm. what, what kind of gigs were you getting then? How were you getting them? Hmm. That kind of thing. Um, there are, I, I mean, I guess there's a limited number of event types that you can get anyway. Um, there's pubs, clubs, and venues as festivals and festivals is a very, very broad term because a festival can be, two acoustic acts down the local pub or it could be uh, you know tens of thousands of people in a you know in a very dedicated festival field somewhere and the area the local area always have a, has a variety of those so let's consider festivals to be quite a broad thing you know they're sort of one-off outdoor events typically aren't they you know um and then you've got your weddings parties functions Beyond that, there's not a huge amount that falls outside of those categories. It's either a public pub club or venue. It's either a one-off, typically outdoor summer event like a festival, or it's a, a celebration of some sort. Um, and I think we were, you know, certainly started off as a pub band through and through. There wasn't really anything else to it. And I have and always will have you know, a huge amount of love and respect for the pub trade and certainly the musicians that, that, that play in and around it. We, we've, you know, as musicians in the pub trade, we've had this economy going for decades, for centuries, you know, God, but if you went back to medieval times, there'd be somebody with a, a liar in the corner of, a, of, a, of an inn somewhere, you know. We've, we've always coexisted together and, it, it, you know, as the scene changes, it's really important. I think to me, it's really important that pubs and music, musicians remain very close friends. You know, we've always supported each other. Uh, and I think we would have a very, very, very tough challenge in front of us if the pub trade wasn't there booking live acts, because that's exactly what we did when we were younger. And I'm pretty sure most bands, you know, any musician, any artist is going to say, you know, I cut my teeth in the pubs, you know, in the clubs. Um, but the thing is, the thing about that as well is that you never know who's in the pub. Um, 
even if you think you do, even if you look around and think, oh, okay, you know, this is what it is. Um, it just so turns out that that bloke over there or that lady over there running an events company or they are the the key decision maker in planning this year's company Christmas party uh, or they have a daughter who's going to get married next year. You know, you, you just don't know who's in the In fact, I'm willing to bet, you know, at any time you do a gig in a pub, there absolutely will be somebody in that very audience right there and then who has reason and purpose to utilise your services at some point in the future. Um, and you, you as a musician need to remember that, you know, how you, how you then perform the gig, how you then interact with the crowd, how you then treat people. Um all becomes very, very relevant if you think about it from the point of view of I, I need to be finding work every day of every week of every month of every year. I'm self-employed. This is this is how it works. I have to I have to be looking for the next opportunity at every given moment, and and that's why pubs are ultimately so valuable, you know, to a musician. There's a trade and an economy between us and the pub. But then you have free and ready access to some of the most important people in the world, your future clients, you know. I think everyone I've spoken to so far has, um, has obviously started in the pubs and clubs as well. And as we get onto a bit later with the like the good gigs, the bad gigs, I think some of the worst ones have come from the pubs and the, some certain people that can be in there sometimes, but also some of the best ones um, definitely from there as well. Um, so yeah, I completely agree. Super important. Yeah. So... When did you start moving away from the pubs or did you start moving away from the pubs or what, what did you move on to next? No, I mean, for me, music's, uh, you know, a, a, a very large uh, variety of, of, of opportunities. And to this day, I love playing the pubs. I really do. I mean, um, from a business point of view, they're not financially lucrative. And I say that respectfully. Um, we, we go into pubs knowing that we're doing it for modest compensation. Uh, we, in this day and age of 2023, we're doing it for the same rates that were being offered in the nineties. Um, and probably before that too. Uh, it's quite remarkable. It's, it's, astonishing in some respects how the fee for a gig in a pub today is pretty much what it was 20 years ago and we all know what's been going on in that time but particularly in the last few years where um where the economy you know comes into play so it's a very it's a very strange situation in that respect but the satisfaction um and the fun and for want of a better word, the kind of networking you can do, the friends you make, the friends you see who come and, you know, attend the gigs, um, and just those one-off little occasions, you know, that, that might occur. You might go to a pub one night and there's this amazing birthday happening in there or there's some kind of celebration taking place um, that you can you can 
combine with and, and create something quite special with. Um, so I love the pubs for all of that. I love the people in them. I love the people that run them. Uh, I love the audiences. They're the the loudest. They're the drunkest. They're the happiest. Um, they're the most excitable. They're the most energized. And we often do our our longest performances in pubs, which in theory is for the most minimal amount of compensation. But that's fine. You know, we, 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 we pick up our inquiries. We, we make new opportunities at, at almost every pub gig that we do. In fact, I mean, we did a pub gig a, a few weeks ago where um, we... See, see I, I'll make sure to provide a DJ service with our pub gig so that there's some degree of um, consistency uh, between what the band is playing and what music you hear throughout the course of the evening pubs have their own systems but it's it's a bit annoying when or it, well, it's not annoying it's just not as good for the crowd it's not as good for the audience if one minute you're playing i don't know some kind of old school jazzy number over the pub's uh, in-house system and then we come on and play um you know some kind of pop or rock track i just like this to be consistency either way we're playing this gig um we've got some music on this woman is dancing she's very happy people are often very happy at daft gigs it's usually a very happy and uh you know fun environment and people sort of get that uh and she's dancing around on her own prior to the gig and the venue filmed her doing so and used this sort of caption on their facebook page of like dance like nobody's watching it was it was a positive message of you know, dance like nobody's watching. Um, and that was just, and that, you know, that went viral. That's had over two and a, it's had nearly two and a half million views um, just from that little clip, 30 second clip with a sentiment attached to it that resonates with the vast majority of the public and uh, people in general, you know, that sense of being happy in yourself and being happy in your own skin. Um, and it was just that quick little moment that, that then went on to produce that. And that was a pub gig, um, two and a half million views. Our band banner is in it. Our, our very good friend Ronnie is in it, who, who's done some singing with us in the past as well. Um, and it's just a wonderful little thing. And it wouldn't have happened if we weren't at the pub that night. So uh, I, do, I do strongly recommend respecting and helping and cultivating and supporting and investing as musicians in the pub scene, but only let it, well, to the extent where you try and keep it as part of your overall year, you know, so we do have plenty of private bookings. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I, I would, you know, I feel I would want to make a handful of weekends available per year if things were that, busy for us on the private market um i'd want to make some weekends available for the pub trade because it's well worth it and they deserve it too you know so keep the pubs in your you know in your in your sort of repertoire of venues if you can uh, and I, 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 you know, I would try to recommend not ever feeling that you're better than the pub or something like that, or it's too small fry, or it's just too too cheap and not enough money, or something like that. Don't don't be like that. Don't be like that. You know, the pubs need us and we need them. You should keep them as part of your your schedule if you can. Do you think your 
pub gigs have declined at all um, because of budgets? Do you think they're hiring more solos, more backing track artists rather than full bands? Because obviously you've got more people to pay. It's going to cost them more. Um, or have you, you've been doing it a while now, you've got your connections, you, you get all your gigs still. Yeah, I mean... The, 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 you know, one of the problems for for, the, for for bands and musicians with the pub trade is the high turnover of staff in the pubs, and it's it's it's, it's normal and it's natural. Pub work, by its nature, does tend to attract the younger generation. Maybe not quite so much at management level, but um, certainly the bar staff, certainly the guy that does the bookings, certainly the guys in the kitchen. Um, I mean, you know, guys and girls, obviously, but. It, hospitality generally attracts a younger um, younger demographic and what that tends to bring with it as well is 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 quite a lot of movement on quite quickly um, so it becomes very difficult to maintain a sort of single point of contact approach with with hospitality venues be them pubs or, or, or clubs or uh, hotels you know things like that um, it can be difficult one minute you think you've got everything under control, You've got six gigs booked in for the year. It's the start of the year. And then you get some kind of hint or rumor on the circuit by February that so-and-so's left. And there's no longer any live music there. And suddenly everything's up in the air again. And so it can be difficult. I don't think you ever quite get to the point where you've got your pub connections. Certainly one or two. There might be some real good you know, long timers in the industry that you can, uh, you can generally keep in, in touch with. But one minute this pub is doing music, the next minute it's got a noise abatement on it, the next minute it's closed, the next minute this one's opened up and now they're doing music, but they're doing it in a different way. It's becoming hard. It's become really hard in the pub trade. And we do know some places, but I think this this year as in coming into 2024 we we i mean in the last at least year if not two we've done at least three i'm going to say three to four but at least three pubs that i that we've packed out i mean well over 200 people have come to each of the gigs some have been ticket orientated so we know you know we've sold tickets and the pub has uh, balanced its revenues in that in that method um and each one of them is now subject to noise investigation by environmental health and local council um, due to complaints. That's clearly, it's, it's not just us. I'm not saying the one gig we did caused uh, all of that. But it's the ongoing battle that pubs have with their local community. So in my opinion, the local community uh, are getting a bit whingier you don't have to do much these days. You know, throw a bottle in a bin at 10.03 and they're on the phone to the council, um, which I find very frustrating, particularly where, you know, new developments are created next to live music venues, such as a place in Windsor. Um, and the next thing, you know, live music's off the cards and the bands are off and it's just great, fantastic. You know, that's just what we need, guys. Well done. Um, and then the financial side of the pub, band relationship thing like i said you know for understandable reasons it's not criticism as such but clearly the pub trade is is, is still dealing with fees that were prevalent more than 20 years ago and i think bands are really beginning to struggle with that now they're really beginning to struggle back then back in 1990 something petrol was about 55p a litre 
and pub fees were about 350 quid let alone all of the other bits all right that i know they're dealing with and i know we're dealing with but you know the cost of living transport communication clothing food all the other you know instruments let alone all the band stuff um let alone the workload let alone the history and investments that musicians have often made over many years to get to the point they're at uh all of that considered 350 quid between four or five guys you're going home you know 60 70 80 quid each something like that you're still going home with that same amount today and i think from that point of view you know i work as an agent as well alongside daft and i often try to book artists for venues or for events um and more and more i'm finding bands saying we we just can't do it We're, we're just we're just not going to do it you know we're not going to play that long that late that far away for 60 quid each and you're like do you know what i completely understand that i can i i, I completely respect your decision there um so what i have seen more of certainly in this last i think post-covid probably the last couple of years is uh is a bit of an uprise in in the in the duo um and small small outfit operation so open mic nights uh, are all over the place again i think there was a time where they seemed to drop off for a bit but open mic nights are just left right and center the current time um there are plenty of acoustic soloists and duos there always was but there really are loads of them now and and, and, and combinations of instruments like you may never have seen it like the accordion and flute duo and you're just like where where, where have you got that idea from um but people are looking at it because they go in and they think they think some lovely folk music with their flute you know whistling away Uh, and it's different um and it's 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 affordable you know these guys can do gigs for 300 quid 300 quid because that's 150 pound a person um, and that becomes more doable. So, you know, it's a bit crude and it's not very pleasant to, to sort of connect the financial side of music to the music scene at such a prominent point. But we do have to be honest and we do have to recognize the fact that it's becoming very difficult and very expensive to be part of a band. And if the pub trade remains at the same compensatory value i think less and less bands are going to be you know around and prepared to do it and further of the uh, the sort of solo duo backing track type setup could could become a bit more common yet um but nonetheless it's still music you know so there's no criticism towards it it's just that's how this monster is evolving. That's that's where some of this evolution seems to be going right now. Um, so I think it's important we all, you know, do the best we can to work together to ensure that we <laughs> that we all maintain a you know a financially um, viable scene and circuit on, on which to play. So have you ever thought or needed to um, like cut the band up and go out as a solo or go out as a duo just to diversify and get more, get more of the gigs? Or do you find you don't need to do that? Yeah. So it, 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 what's great is if you've got a band, you've usually got a duo in there somewhere as well. Um, what we actually did is yes, it would, it would be possible to do that. And I think certainly during COVID it was, it was tempting because it was quick it's easy 
it's so much easier to learn a couple, you know, to learn songs as a duo than it is to, to orchestrate, you know, an entire band. Um, but what what we actually did is we we created a, a, a bookable package within Daft. So as a client, if you come to the band and ask us to let's say quote for your wedding, one of the options that you'll be presented with is. Um, what we call the platinum package, where it includes a duo in the afternoon um, for your wedding ceremony or your reception. And uh, that means that we can still have a duo facility, like a duo function, and it's myself and our guitarist, uh, Adam. Big shout out to Adam, uh, who I do that with. Um, But it's more... It's more within the confines of Daft itself. It's more within the you know the boundaries of the band. We don't take it out as a duo to the local pub, um, mainly because like we we don't really have the time to. We've we've got a gig every weekend, um, and the, the type of performance that that I like to do at least is like I like to give absolutely everything I've got. You know that entire night, and if I've got two gigs on the trot, it means I, I have to I have to spread some of that. A little bit of that energy you know and uh partiness uh i have to spread it a bit so I'd, I'd rather not i'd rather dedicate you know everything i can to a single event so we tend not to put the duo out as you know as a local circuit option but as daft you can book it to enhance or elevate your your wedding or, or your party or whatever the case to feature you know, uh, uh, an acoustic performance sometime earlier in the day prior to the band playing in the evening. Um, so yes, that's what we did with it. So we do have a duo, but that's how we that's how we sort of market it and and, and utilise it. Just a quick break for an advert. Top musicians use Gigio to manage their bookings and admin. It's an easy-to-use web-based software that takes care of your inquiries, contracts, invoices, payments, and reports. It generates professional PDF contracts in seconds and allows your client to agree them quickly online and conveniently. It will even automatically update the diary on your phone. Read what other top musicians say about Gigio right now and take a free 30-day trial at getgigio.com. That's G-E-T-G-I-G-G-I-O.com. So let's move on to marketing a bit then. I've I've seen your promo videos and I feel like you guys do things a bit differently to others, which I really like. You really focus on the audience Mm -hmm. showing happiness and showing them having a great time. And I feel like that's a really smart move and not many other people are doing it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that you say that actually, um, because it is, it is very much the, the purpose of the videos being like i said earlier i run an agency alongside daft it's called class and the purpose of the agency is to channel inquiries into it the the band oh, most of the time that the that daft generates because we're not always available for everything you know we, 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 we just have bookings sometimes or holidays and we're not around but i'm i like you know I, I like looking after people i love looking after people i love taking care of their requests whether they're simple or wacky uh and i love i love getting to the end and seeing a really really happy client a really really happy venue and a really really happy band um and it's just such a an honor and, and a luxury to be given the opportunities to do that but when I'm booking other bands, I often find that their marketing is is very centralised on them. 
and I think like lots of people, I've I've watched hundreds and hundreds of versions of some of the world's greatest songs. You know, it doesn't matter about the song, Mr. Brightside, or I don't know, any song you could care to think of, Sex on Fire, whatever, Valerie, uh, whatever. It doesn't matter what the song is. But you see video after video after video after video after video after video after video of a guitarist smiling and a lead singer you know holding the mic and grinning off into the distance in a room that's typically made of brick with some big white lights at the back uh, and a color bar going across and everybody's quite smart and look, I love it I might sound like I'm being derogatory and I don't mean to because I do love it I really do and it's fantastic and going back to around about 2016 2017 we, we were short on video I mean video was happening but I came from an era where people sent uh, sent discs you know we sent CDs we dropped CDs into the pub or we we literally put a, you know a self-burnt CD into an envelope and we posted it to a client you know that's how we did it and then video really started to obviously take off with the advent of smartphones and um, having you know uh, a camera in your pocket the whole time but then cameras started getting good DSLR started getting good digital photography started getting good it started becoming uh, compressed in price it was becoming accessible to the common man who didn't even know much about photography you could get a really nice digital camera in 2015 for just a few hundred pounds you know so video was really starting to work and videographers videographers were you know popping up little video production houses and local independent guys and that was that's really good because they're just like a band you know they're just a local independent sole trader looking for a gig to gig opportunity you know that's that's brilliant we should use them but they're expensive they're really expensive <laughs> and and what if you don't like what you get you know and i spoke to a lot of these people and i said i want a video done and they're like yeah yeah i can book the studio for you on the 17th of august and uh, it's 750 pound a day and i'm like what if i don't like it and he goes well you'll get a couple of you know re-edits but not you know i can't do much more than that like, oh, okay and that didn't really fill me with confidence because that's a lot of man, quite a lot of money um, and you're never really sure what you're going to get out of it at the end and the biggest problem for me that would always have been comparable to that of the band is that you know here I go sounding like a control freak but I wouldn't have control over it I wouldn't have control about where he's pointing the camera or what, what, what grading he's going, what color grading he's going to do on the, on the result or uh, what angles he's going to choose or how the mix is going to be, you know, like we just didn't have that control. So we started to learn videography and, and photography and we bought stuff, you know, GoPros and just cameras and microphones and boom arms and headphones. <laughs> At one point we did look like this little mobile sort of television crew that would pop up after the gig and we'd go out and we'd start filming testimonial. We do, we do understand. I've always been interested in, I mean, creative people generally are, you know, we're interested in a few different things like art or uh, photography or music or poetry, you know, this sort of stuff. Um, but we, it's quite interesting. And our, and our excellent bass player, Nick, is also very uh, technology-orientated. He loves photography and videography. And 
he's an excellent producer as well, music producer. So, you know, we started to be able to cover various bases. Um, and I'm, I'm not trying to waffle. I'm trying to make sure I give people the information that could be useful to them. But to cut back to your original point here was that, I didn't. I don't want to see. I don't want to see Nick playing bass every week. I don't want to see uh, Adam on the guitar, uh, guitar aloft, uh, waggling a string behind his neck. I mean, clips of that are great, but I don't want to watch it for five minutes. And then another video comes out, and then I go watch it again for another five minutes, and then another video comes, and, and you know this goes on for as long as the band goes on. Uh, what I do want to see. As a potential customer, what I do want to see is what is going on at these events. What do the people look like? What do the responses look like? Do people sit down and gratefully applaud? Or do they absolutely throw themselves around like crazy people, you know, on the dance floor? Do we get involved with the audience? Does the audience get involved with us? Uh, does the lighting look okay? Does the setup of the band look okay? You know, this kind of thing. What do the venues look like that we're playing in? And therefore, by the end of all of this, what does the client have to say about all of that? which is where our testimonial videos play quite a key role. Um, so, yeah, um, to lead back to your point, I just wanted to explain how we got to that point. And the reason we got to the point of doing the videos that we do is because we're doing them. You know, it's I'm, I've got a, so many times, for 60% for of a gig in some cases, I've got a microphone in one hand trying to belt out a number, and I've got a video camera in the other hand, which I'm waving about the place. And, and that's been more recent, actually, the video stuff. Um, we're starting to do more consumable social media. Um, prior to that, I'd take a lot of photos. Because from a marketing perspective, back in the early parts, early days of Facebook, the key fun thing that everybody did was tag photos of each other. You know, oh, you know, went, went out last night, tag, 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 tag. Oh, I've gone to the theatre this evening, tag, 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 tag. People aren't doing it so much now. Tagging's a bit of a little bit of a thing of the past. You sort of do it on some of the, the you know, your, your big special photos that perhaps you want to tie into your profile but generally speaking people don't want to be tagged all over the shop every weekend but between around about 2008 and probably about 2015-16 probably just prior to COVID you know tagging was fairly fairly commonly done and we got well on board with that um, and there are currently tens of thousands of photos that we just took not of the band but of the audience, you know, we would go around taking pictures of the audience who was at the gig. Um, and they, and, and we, 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 you know, hopefully, I, I think we did, and I think people generally think we did, you know, we put a nice edit on those photos. We didn't just chuck them up there raw, you know, straight out of the back of the camera. I'd, I'd run everything through Lightroom and edit them and tweak them and correct them, perfect them as best as I could so that people would actually like the photo of them. You know, I want them to be happy with the photo that's been taken. And then they did, they did tag them thousands and thousands of times over the, 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 the mid-2010s sort of time. 
And now, of course, they keep coming back as memories, you know. So every few days, you know, people that attended our gigs frequently or who have been to our gigs will, will get, you know, some daft photo pop-up of, um, of of them having a nice time somewhere. Um, and that certainly serves as a, you know, a brand reminder. And it's a bit like a digital business card, sort of always always being there. But now I think we've got to move a little bit away from just tagging people uh, and we've really got to embrace you know quick easy um, I want to you know it, it needs to be consumable but it also needs to be it needs to have it needs to have a positive purpose behind it needs to be informational it needs to be humorous it needs to be educational uh, it needs to have some some form of purpose but a video, but, but to, you know, move much to much more towards video and, and make quick, short, sharp, snappy, TikTok, real type videos that, that people can just continue to keep in touch with us on. But that doesn't create, you know, a massive video production requirement for the band. And these phones, man, they, they've just, they're just nailing it, aren't they, these phones these days? We've always said it, they've always been amazing. But, you know, I can't remember the last time I used Final Cut. Everything's done on my phone now. And that blows my mind. It really does. And not only that, but it's better. You know, I'm running MacBook Pros, you know, with less than a year old with, you know, Final Cut on it. And, 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 you know, and, and that slogs its way through. And then the phones, you're filming on the device, you're storing on the device, you're cloud connected on the device, you're editing on the device, you're then publishing on the device, and you're reporting on the same device. It's it's just phenomenal. So I think a lot of people are getting it, but I, I would certainly recommend that people find their little um, you know ecosystem of apps that they like and that they can be familiar with to get them familiar with you know just grabbing a good bit of footage wrapping it in a quick edit and getting it up online for for people to uh you know to share yeah obviously i'm a bit biased and i'm gonna push back on that slightly because i make those videos i make those studio videos and i think there is a place for high quality showreels but i do love what you're doing at the same time and i think they can work great together. Um, for example, with a few of my clients, we found a nice venue and shot a great showreel, but then I've come out to a few of their live shows and captured a load of footage um, of the crowd dancing, everyone having a great time, and then sprinkled that into the showreel. Um, they've come out with a load of social media content for that from that as well. Um, I guess the point I'm trying to make is... Um, that you it's not just one thing you need to have a whole range of marketing material from audio to studio videos live videos and photos and that can be um uh, high quality phone quality do-it-yourself quality it's just having content to share um is important i think uh one thing i do think people neglect sometimes as well is the um the quality of the audio in their videos and just uploading a recording from your phone at a gig isn't going to do you justice. Um, but social media is a huge part of it and where most of this content is going to live. Um, what social media are you using and do you have any sort of plan when it comes to posting? Um, yeah, I mean, and, and just to touch on your point, I mean, uh, that you made at the, at the start there, there can never, ever be a, a full replacement for a dedicated... I mean, they're, they're, a dedicated professional is required in so many uh, cases and examples. I'm talking about these for when you're standing in the queue uh, somewhere or, or where, where you suddenly see something and you've got to get it 
done and up quickly. And I wish, I absolutely wish that, you know, uh, we did make more in the way of studio orientated content, but it's so difficult sometimes finding the time, the place, the means, the budget to do all of that. And it's amazing that it's been pushed right down into a, into the consumable sense, you know, um, in, into these into these phones. But I completely stand by the point you make as, and support the point you make as well. In that, if I needed, like, if I was going to do, um, in fact, we talked about this, didn't we? Didn't we talk about um, the festival we did earlier this year? Yeah, 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 we did. Yeah, yeah, and, and and there were some availability problems and things like that. So ultimately, we weren't we weren't able to make that happen. Um, but that's a key example of where things like phones are solving the problem if you need to do something quick and and easy. But I would much rather have had you there that day, you know. And, and, and as it happened, no no filming was done at all. Um, so yeah, I, I do agree with what you're saying. And as far as the uh, the platforms that we're using is concerned, um, we've always been on Facebook. We've uh, pretty much always been on Instagram, uh, Twitter. But from a marketing point of view, if you really look at it from a marketing point of view, then really the ba- a band's best marketing platform would, would be YouTube, you know, because it's got the visual, it's got the audio, it's got, you know, it's a quality platform uh, that everybody uses and that everybody understands. Um, there's always going to be a difference between original bands and cover bands and the requirements that original bands have versus what cover bands have. Um I'm not forging any new ground, really. You know, I'm, I'm not going out there paving the way and, you know, putting on gigs and concerts that that people who've chosen to love my music would like to attend. That's not what we are. We're an entertainment solution. So, you know, we're probably more about adverts and reviews than we are, you know, like I say, sort of communicating um, crazy mind-bending thoughts to our like-minded followers uh you know at any given moment in time but but youtube if, if you you know but i guess the problem with youtube is you've got some really good visual content with it as well the problem with marketing with bands you know in my neck of the woods in, in my area is that you can easily do it quite wrong and the other thing that you see a lot of is just a phone in the air wave it around put it on Facebook. And I know some great bands. I know some really good bands. And then they go and play a pub and then the manager stands there with his phone up like that at the back of the room and it looks and it sounds rubbish. And I feel terrible for them because I think that's not you. That's not how it sounds. That that video is not capturing the, the true acoustic impact of the equipment that you own and your attack and style of play. It's not capturing the noises that the audience are making. And I know microphones are good. I know they've got better on phones, etc. But you can't just stand there with a phone held aloft, whack it on your pub Facebook page and go, look at the great time we're having. Because it doesn't look like it. I'm really sorry. It just doesn't look like it. It looks bland it looks washed out there's no dynamic the sound is echoey and far removed depending on where you're standing it's either all bass or it's all treble or it's just it's just rubbish and i don't you know it doesn't help the pub trade to do things like that um what it does help what would help is there to be this really cool little army of social media people that could attend a pub for an evening or part of an evening, capture some footage, 
go home or go sit somewhere, run it through an edit process, smarten it up, tidy it up, and um, and then share it. Um, and as you you know rightly mentioned, I think with our content, I mean I'm not trying to push. I'm not trying to say look at me or look at us. I'm really not. I'm really not interested in trying to suggest people, you know, look how great we as a band are. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is look at the effect that we're able to have on people. And if you like what they're doing, and if it looks like you would enjoy what they're doing, then I suggest you come down and see us. <laughs> I suggest you, you come out and have a few drinks or a, or a dance or a laugh one night. Uh, but watching uh, a really well uh, you know, produced solo to to some song is is just not what I think sells the band in its truest light. But the thing that we do do is the music that you hear when you watch one of our videos, apart from rare occasions, the music that you hear are live recordings of the band. So they, they are, it is us, it, as far as I'm concerned, it is absolutely us playing live. It, it sounds like us, it's pretty much untouched. It's come straight off a mixing desk, gone into a computer and, and then, you know, been exported as an MP3. Simple as that. Um, so it's still as you're hearing, but you're hearing it in a, in a much more direct to source, you know, um, you know, a, a, a rich up front recording rather than an echoey back of the pub mobile phone recording. You know, that's all. That's all that is. You know, otherwise everything else is 100%, you know, the band playing. Yeah, I mean, I wholeheartedly agree with the not using footage from someone holding a phone at the back of the room. As I said earlier, it just doesn't do you any justice. Um, what I do love about what you're doing um, and what I've always been taught when trying to market my own businesses is that you're selling the outcome. If someone wants to book your band to play their venue, it's not because they want to watch you, unfortunately. It's because they want more people in the door, having fun, buying drinks. And I think that's what you show off really well with your marketing. So well done for that. Yeah, no, no, thank you. And, and you're right. It's you never, you never. Again, this is why I don't like those those band centric videos because I'm not trying to sell the band. I'm trying to sell an experience. I'm trying to sell a service. I'm trying to sell an outcome for your event. And if you want, you know, an absolute. Do you know the best way? For, one of the best ways of measuring whether a gig's been good is to listen to the volume of the chatter after the gig. <laughs> if that makes sense because you know there have been occasions you play your last note bomb good night take care thanks everyone bye and then it's kind of like shuffle shuffle everyone goes home but then you know usually you know certainly with our gigs and i know with many others too but you know one way of measuring it no matter who you are is how what's the energy level like uh, you know, five past 12 at the pub, you know, when it's closed or immediately after the wedding, you know, are, are, are people leaving smoothly, calmly, quietly, or are they leaving a little bit bloody sweaty, you know, a little bit disheveled in their clothes? And they go, oh my God, that was such a good night. Oh, that was brilliant. You know, it's that level of chatter, you know, high. Uh, and that's what I go looking for, really, you know. And in, in all of this, uh, you can't forget one thing, and that ultimately is that the band has to be good. 
You know, it has to be a good band. I mean, it doesn't even have to be the world's greatest band. I've seen audiences go wild to really ropey versions of songs, you know, ropey bands that actually aren't that great musically and um, rhythmically, etc. But they're having a good time, and so is the audience. And I didn't pay, you know, if I, if I buy a Bruce Springsteen ticket, then I want to see quality vocals. I want to see a legend at work. I want to see almost perfection on that stage. But if I'm, if I'm down the local pub, you know, listening to some great songs, having a few drinks with friends, I just want a, a nice night. I just want a, a good experience. I want to feel safe. I want to feel warm. I want to feel entertained. And I want to feel like I've had good value at the end of it all. Um, that's why I'm trying to communicate in any marketing that we do. The value, the value of, of coming to a daft gig, I hope, is very good for people. You'll have a great night. You might not hear the best version of a song. You might hear the best version of a song. I don't know. It's subjective sometimes. But I'm not necessarily there to be the world's greatest band. I'm just there to be the best that I can make Daft be. And ultimately, I think that means we are putting out some pretty good versions of songs. I'm, I'm happy with what we do. And we get a lot of compliments on what we do. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we're in roughly the right area. But more than anything, it's the value and it's the experience. Do you have a good time? And did you think it was worth it? Um, and if you can answer yes to those questions... I don't care if the guitarist went a bit wrong in one of the solos. It really doesn't matter. So, yeah. Yeah, well said, man. Um, I think the proof's in the pudding, really. What You've been booked for, you've been going for, for a long time now and you're constantly getting booked. So, it's yeah, yeah, you're doing a good yeah. job. Um, I feel like that's a good transitional point to move on to just the, the section of the show. It's just a bit of fun, really, but your, your best gigs and your worst gig. Um, without uh, <laughs> ruining any relationships or anything like that. But, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. What stories have you got, man? Um, I think there's been, I think there's been some pivotal gigs in the past. Uh, um, and I think somewhere around about 2008, we did a gig, uh, what was once the, infamously loved Rising Sun in Slough, which has recently only been raised to the ground. Um, such a shame. But yeah, you know, another pub disappears. Uh, but that stood for many, 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 many years, and it had all the greatest bands come, you know, local cover scene bands come through. It was definitely one of the key pubs on the circuit uh, in, in this area, of course. Um, and there was just one night, I think around about 2008, where it just seemed like people suddenly got it. We were the right age. We would have been in our late 20s, early 30s. By this point, your friends have got a bit of money, probably working now, and, you know, things have settled down a bit and uh, so on. You're, you're young enough to enjoy a party. You're old enough to go out without there being a load of trouble. Uh, and this pub was just heaving, absolutely heaving. Just a normal-sized pub, but... There were like three or 400 people there. The whole front was rammed. The pub itself was rammed. It was just a joke. We, I think they ran out of every line of alcohol they had except for 
some, I don't know, bottle of red wine or two. Every pump was dry. Every bottle of uh, spirits was dry. We drank the whole pub. I mean, literally the whole pub. And I'm sure I've got photos of it. I will have photos of it somewhere. Um, But I just remember thinking after that, that I thought, that's weird. That's different. Didn't, Didn't quite expect that when I turned up this evening. But it just seemed like everybody got behind the band. We just seemed to, you know, connect with people. They liked what we were playing, and the music scene was still good, wasn't it? You know, late 2000s. You had the Arctic Monkeys kicking around by then, and Mr. Brightside was, 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 was uh, sorry, Sex on Fire, I think, was becoming the song of the time. And it was just uh, a, a great, great time. So I think there's been pivotal gigs like that, where you've just been able to, in this little world of cover bands and in, in the little home counties of, of, of Britain, you know, of England, you can just sort of take a moment and say, I think I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm really pleased with that. I'm pleased for the pub. I'm pleased for the bands. I'm pleased for the people. You can just sort of stand. I remember crossing the road at one point just to look over the road back at the pub to get a, a, a bit of a scale on the amount of people that were there. And if not at the time, I just think now, you know, how, how, how lucky was I? You know, how lucky was I to, to have this facility at my disposal, you know, to, to bring, you know, such a nice night out for people. And I, I'm just so proud of that. I love that. Um, so I think, I think that, that Rising Sun gig will always stick in my head. Um, and the, the, the sort of, as a good one, um, yeah, and, and, and now for the good gig. Uh, but as far as the bad gigs, I mean, you don't you don't really get bad gigs. You get gigs that you would you, you would certainly wish there was a bit more of your 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 natural environment present at. I guess corporates can be quite hard work. The, the, the reason is is that people aren't there. They're not there to. They haven't come out to see us that night. They haven't chosen to see us that night. They're not really there to down some shots and get dancing. They're there to attend their, 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 their business event. Uh, usually in the line of sight of their management and their colleagues. And we all know what workplaces can be like. Not everybody gets on in them, you know, and there can be some funny feelings around the place. And suddenly you're there trying to get a few people heavily behind some rock and pop songs and sometimes they just don't want to do it and i completely understand that i completely get it but you can you can take a gig like the one i just described and actually most gigs we do are of that kind of nature maybe not that many people but you know they've got that kind of spirit to them but sometimes your more traditional function gig is just not featuring some of the core ingredients that you as a musician would like and when it does go well to strangers who I've never met before and they've come up and spoken to us afterwards and stuff, I, I, I usually just say to them that we're, we're, ju- we're, just, we're just a mirror. The band is merely a mirror of the audience and the audience will get out of, the, the audience will get out of their night and out of us whatever they're prepared to invest and if they're prepared to invest their dancing and their singing and their smiles and their happy attitudes, that's what they will go away having experienced. But if they're, if they're wanting to sit down, 
they're a bit tired, they're not really up for this, they're not going to put that much in, then that's really all they're going to get out of it as well. Um, the band, the, the band can't magic attitude into people. It can only provide a platform for people to dance upon. Um, and we hope to make that a really good platform, but nonetheless, I, I can't, I can, I can lead the horse to water, but I can't make it drink. I can, I can lead the people to the dance floor, but I can't, I can't make them dance. They're going to have to do that themselves. So they can be the hard gigs, the ones where people are, are not really sort of working to the same objective that the band would be working to. That makes sense. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I feel like um, I feel like we could talk for another hour easily, but it is running a little long now, so I think we're going to have to uh, wrap things up. But maybe we'll have you on again sometimes. Yeah. I feel like there's loads of points we haven't touched. There on. have been. I do go on a bit. Sorry about that. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Um, if people wanted to connect with you, or if they wanted to find out a bit more about Daft, where would you want to send them? Uh, firstly, to a gig, um, but certainly to uh, you know websites daftonline.co.uk. And from there, you can link through to our Facebook and our Instagram, uh, both of which are facebook.com slash daftcoverband and instagram.com slash daftcoverband. Awesome, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. I've had a blast. I hope you have too. I thoroughly have. Thank you very much for having me on. And it's just a, a really nice opportunity to look back as well. You've, you've made me think of some things I hadn't thought of for a very long time. But ultimately, I hope anybody, certainly younger than me, and, and anybody that's interested in music and live music, you know, put your heart and soul into it. Put the customer first. Uh, keep your standards up, you know, and uh, I'm sure you will in, you'll have a lovely, lovely time. Well said, man. Nice <laughs> way to end it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jack. Cheers, man. So there we go. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. As I said to Graham, I think we only just scratched the surface of things to talk about, so I think it would be great to have him on again. Um, as always, if you missed any of the links that he mentioned, you can find them on my website and on my Instagram. Our uh, website is www.infocusrecordingcompany.co.uk. Instagram is at infocusrecordingco. Um, also, I'd like to remind you that if you have any feedback on the first three shows, then I'd love to hear it. And I'm always looking for new guests. If that's you or you know someone that you think would be a great guest, then please let me know. Um, you can email me with any of that info at feedback at the full-time function musician podcast.co.uk. Again, I know that's a mouthful. Um, anyways, I think that's enough from me. I'll catch you next week for episode four. Bye.